welcome. This is Story You Talk Radio, and I am your host, Coach Debbie. I am here with you every Thursday at 4 o'clock Pacific Time, and the replay always airs Friday morning during your drive to work, 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. on East Coast Time. I have some wonderful folks that are going to be joining me throughout 2020 to talk to you about what was it like to be a first-time, second-time, or a third-time authors. Those are the people that I coach, whether I've even coached the particular people I'm bringing on the show or not. Those are the people I coach, the first, second, and third-time-around authors that have a story inside of them and are ready to send it out into the world and be influential. If that might be you, I would invite you to get in touch with me at AskCoachDebbie, Debbie spelled with a Y, AskCoachDebbie at gmail.com. I'd love to hear about the book you've written, and especially if you're local, I really try to highlight the people around the Seattle area. And last week, I hope you joined me when Leslie Moffitt came down from North Seattle and shared her book, and it was called I Love My Job, But It's Killing Me. I thought that was the most brilliant title. I saw the cover of it on Facebook, and I hunted her down and found her and brought her into the studio, and I'd say we all had a really good time. Leslie is a local person here in the Seattle area who is a band leader at Jackson High School, and like so, so, so many educators, she loves what she does, but she doesn't love how what she does can wreak havoc on her health. And I don't mean just her job, I just mean the hours, the commitment, all that good stuff. Y'all know I was in that race. (laughs) And it's, it's tricky. Because you love, love, love your students, and you love, love, love what's being offered in education. And on the inside, your body's saying, help, help, I need rest, and everything else. So she and I had a great talk. I hope you catch the replay. You can always go over to Podcast One. Podcast One, it's just one word. Or your Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud, or Tune in. All those areas have Story You Talk Radio. Just follow the purple icon and you will get the shows of this year and last year. Today we are going to talk about can your story make you rich? I hope you know the answer to that question. It's yes. Of course your story can make you rich. Can make you spiritually rich. Can make you monetarily rich. Hopefully it'll do both. And we're going to talk about people that have uh, acquired some richness, but more so some, some advice and guidance and help if you're thinking, you know, I've got a lot of talent in writing or I think I have a unique story, but I'm just not going to give up my time because, you know, I got to focus on things that pay the bills. If that's how you're thinking, boy, am I glad you're here. Because I'm going to talk you into the idea, or at least do my darndest, 
to get you back to writing your story and back to committing to your freelance writing career. Because, my friend, you can swim around in the riches of it. So if you have a question about this topic today, I invite you to go over to Facebook and get in touch with me. I'd love to hear your question. You can just go to my personal page, and that's Debbie Handrich. It's just like it sounds. We already determined Debbie spelled with a Y, D-E-B-B-Y. Handrich, just like it sounds, H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H. You can go over to Coach Debbie. That's my, um, what do they call that, business page, something like that. You can find that on uh, Facebook. Go over on to Messenger. Uh, you can send me an email, askcoachdebbie at gmail. All of those ways will get you here so I can see your question and offer you free coaching right here live on the air. And I won't, you know, I won't give out anything that you don't want me to say. I'll only say your first name. How's that? Maybe your hometown. How's that? There's probably 50 million of you in your hometown with that same first name or at least close to 50 million. So I bet you can still be pretty anonymous. But if that doesn't work, just say I want to be anonymous and we'll go forward. Regardless, I want your question. All right. So go ahead and write in. But if you are of the creative bent and kind of the courageous bent and you want to call, well, I invite you to call. And when you do call, guess who you're going to talk to? The engineer, Eric Ryder, who's sitting right here. Hey, good afternoon, Debbie. Good afternoon, Eric. How you doing? I'm doing well. Did you have a great birthday last week? I hope so. Oh. I did have a birthday last week, didn't I? Yes. Yes. I'm in the very early days of being 29 and 7 eighths. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good age. I I remember (laughs) being 29 and 7 eighths. Well, let's hope 54 (laughs) is just as good as 29 and 7 eighths. But that's where I'm at so far, the early days of birthday time. But are you like me? Do you celebrate your birthday all month? I actually, no. You should. I'm not like you in that respect. All right. I try to avoid my birthday and ignore that it happens. Oh, Eric, I'm going to find out when yours is, and I'm going to start celebrating it all month long. It's so fun. You enjoy. Yeah. You can have my birthday as well, because I don't do much with it. Oh, you silly. You let people take you out for dinner, and they just treat you well. All that love they hold in all year long, it just comes pouring out on your birthday so much fun you think about it maybe this upcoming birthday will will celebrate you big time but did y'all hear that nice voice that's who you're going to be talking to when you call in and eric can you tell us the phone numbers absolutely please give us a call if you got a question for debbie at 425-373-5527 or toll free 888-298-5569 that's 888-298-5569 K-K-N-W. Awesome. And I hope y'all do call in because it just makes for a great radio. And it's great to talk to you. And I'd love to meet you. And probably the question you have is going to serve other people that are listening as well. 
So keep in mind, we'll talk about anything you want to talk about, but our topic is, can your story make you rich? So of course it can. It certainly can. But, you know, the first thing you've got to do is decide that it will. Because one thing I've really come to understand is areas in my life where I'm not decisive are areas in my life that do not flourish. It is where I'm more decisive and determined. And I have made a choice that I find I flourish. So if you want your story to make you rich, if you want to grow as a freelance writer, I would say start by deciding that's exactly what you're going to do. It kind of sends your mind in a great trajectory of not just this is possible, but this is what I'm up to today. Even if you're not walking millions of bucks to the bank today, it's part of your whole story. So I want to I wanna just ingrain that in right now that you're going to have to make that decision that, yes, yes, my story could make me rich, and I, I decided will. Yes, now, here. If you're feeling that way, then you're probably already, to some level, feeling the richness on the inside. And I know for some people that gets a little woo-woo, but sorry, that's how I live. I am a little woo-woo. I like the woo-woo. It has served me very well to believe in certain things as developed on the inside. I, I really believe in my own story. I feel a certain richness from accepting my own story. And my story is told differently depending on what day we're at. But for example, one of my stories is that I, I am albino. I was born legally blind. I'm, I'm one of those people that when you see me, you're not quite sure if I spend an exotic amount of money on hair color or if I, if I just went gray a little early. Most people don't guess right off the bat that I'm albino, and most people don't guess that along with that is a severe visual impairment. And that has added to and, and definitely shaped the story of every day of my life. Uh, I, I live in a pretty darn blurry world. But you know what? I've learned to really accept that this is the story I get to work with every single day. It's not going away. It's not changing. And because of it, I am the person I am. For example, one thing that's significant is about, about my story is that as a little girl, I, I don't think I really understood that my eyesight was all that bad. I mean, I, I, I knew it was a little bit different, but I don't think I understood the degree. So I had this thought that I'd grow up and be a pilot. And when my mom gently tried to let me know that 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 might not be so. I thought, you know, a conductor of a train could be really cool or maybe a race car driver. Somehow, 
I got my mind over into that trains, planes, and automobiles area, thinking that would be such a, just a fun area to pursue. But there's no way my eyesight was going to allow for that. Instead of my mother saying, no, forget it, that's just not you, my mother said, Debbie, I think you're going to be able to do exactly what you want to do. And, you know, when you tell a child that, a child gets creative and thinks of all kinds of things she can do. And if you can't fly a plane, maybe you'll, you know, maybe you'll be the best earring maker in the whole world. Maybe you'll teach English like I did for many, many years. Maybe you'll come on the radio like I started doing in 2012. There's all sorts of things you can do. But what I learned in my story is no matter what I did, I was going to have to do it with impaired vision. And I would have to find a new way to see if I was going to be a working girl. Otherwise, I was going to be a welfare girl. And I knew that there was choice in that. Some people don't have choice. But I felt there was choice for me. And so I made a decision that my story mattered and I would do what I could with it. I always liked story. And I always believed that everyone has a story and that it does matter. Many people say that only 1% of writers actually make great income. And I'm here to tell you that's not true at all. It's far more than 1% of writers making great income. When I was a teacher, I learned, though, that the majority of my students coming to, to class didn't, didn't believe that there was any sort of career in majoring in English. Um, they just thought, oh, God, we'd have to be like our, our dreaded teacher, Miss Handrich, and, and, and teach English if we followed an English major. There's a thousand things you can do as an English major. And, and I think, too, many of my students believed that there were just so few people out there authoring and making it on a financial level. One day, I remember being in class, and I, when I say class, I, I taught community college English and, and even started tutoring at the community college uh, over 25 years ago. And I found that students didn't necessarily do a lot of reading. And I, I wondered if it was because we were in a tech age. But somewhere in, in my career, maybe year three or four, or something like that, I thought it's very important that I start to collect information on how much reading and writing my students do. Like really ask them an, an in-depth survey. So I started doing this and... One thing I found out from one of the very first questions on my survey, which was name the top five books you've ever read, your all-time top five books. Most of the students in my class couldn't list five books. And when I would ask them why, they'd say, because I don't think I've read five books cover to cover. Now, this shocked me because I had grown up being a reader 
and I valued reading and I valued writing. And the notion that you could get to age 20 and have only read three books in your life absolutely haunted me. But the name that kept showing up again and again and again that people read, are you ready? Hold on tight, lip majors, this is going to hurt. Stephen King. Yeah, that's who people read. Now, dear Stephen, if you're listening to me, ha ha ha, um, I, I only say this because I didn't have a true respect for what it took to write whore. Uh, on the other hand, I also didn't know yet about your book called On Writing. So Stephen King in 2002, 2002, 2003, somewhere in there, he wrote a book called On Writing. And because my students were saying that they had read so little, but that the person they had read so much of was Stephen King, I went back to the bookstore and I found this book. The only book of his I had ever read before was called Carrie, and it had been many, many, many years. It was very well done. So this was a brand new book, and I picked it up, bought it, took it home, and read it. And I got to tell you, big changes happened for me because of that book. And I started to believe even more than I had ever believed before that not only could sharing your story make you rich, but anyone who decided to share their story could, if they made the decision, could become rich from it. And that's what we're talking about today. So if you want to write in, if you want to call in, I will be taking your questions. We're going to take our first break right now. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Hi, I'm Kathy Cooper, and every Wednesday from 1 to 2 p.m., I'll be hosting Lost and Found. We'll be discussing all types of losses, but it's not going to be the doom and gloom hour. It'll be an hour of education, support, validation, and yes, we will have a little bit of humor. So won't you join me Wednesdays, 1 to 2 p.m., Lost and Found, because every loss matters, and through every loss, something can be found. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Are you ready for something real, raw, upfront, and honest? Then tune in each Wednesday at 2 p.m. right here for Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and the host, Sakura Sutter. This show is unlike anything you have ever heard and was created to help others to help themselves. Hear me follow up with guests I have hypnotized and see how it has improved their lives. I will also spotlight amazing people from around the world, their skin tips, live readings, and answers to life's burning questions. Join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. If you're just joining me, today we are talking about can your story make you rich? Of 
course it can. Why not? Of course it can. But you had better decide that it's going to. That's how you set it in motion. I only recently decided that my story is going to make me rich. I just decided, so check back with me in six months, a year or two, and I'll let you know how it's going. But I just did, I made this decision, and I'll, I'll share with you a little bit more about this as we go. For one thing, I was just talking about the fact that it's really important to believe in your story and believe that your story matters because you'll find yourself speaking wisdom from the story you've lived. And you never, never should underestimate how your wisdom can raise you up in dollars and cents. Absolutely. So just one thing right there, when you're really believing in your story, you're really talking about it, but you're sharing from the experience and the wisdom you now have of your story. Yeah, that can, that can get you some good paying gigs, let me tell you. I was sharing right before the break that I found out from doing a little poll and surveying my students that Oh boy, they were reading Stephen King when I was when I was thinking of of Emerson and I was thinking of Thoreau and I was thinking of Shakespeare and I was thinking of the contemporaries like Angelou and Morrison and they were like, Oh yeah, I, I, I read someone contemporary, his name's King, Stephen King. And, you know, I felt a little low and I have to apologize to Mr. Stephen King for that. But I, I can make up for it by highlighting his book on writing today. And he's not paying me to do this, and there's part of me that hopes he never hears this podcast. But even if he does, I do want him to know that I, I walked into all of this really mistaken because I didn't appreciate the talent of writing whore. And because of that, I didn't appreciate before I read it, what it might take for Stephen King to put his talents to work and share with us his memoir. And it's called On Writing. Here's just one little quote from his book. It's simple, but wow, it means something to those of us that love to write. When he was asked, you know, why do you write? He said, I do it for the buzz. I do it for the buzz, and if you can do your writing for joy, you can do it forever. Those are very, very simple words there, but you know what? He's right. How many people out there just just complain and go on and whine and squeal, me included, about how hard it is sometimes to write, how difficult it is to get beyond writer's block, how excruciating it is to think that your ideas are dull and over. But he's saying, you know what? I, I don't go there. I go to my writing because it gives me this certain buzz. I get this buzz off of writing. Now, a lot of you might know that Stephen King gave up a very avid habit of drinking a lot of alcohol every day because he realized it got in the way of his writing. A lot of writers think you can't write without being inebriated. 
And what Stephen King realized and shared extensively in his memoir on writing was that it was the drinking that was keeping him, mm, if anything else, stuck. It was the drinking that was keeping him from realizing his true greatness. And so he gave it up. And what became his buzz? His writing. The same thing, even if you have no bent for alcohol, the same thing can happen for you when you decide that you're going to allow the buzz of life to come through being a writer. And for a lot of people, it's expressed that, well, it's just hard to sit at the desk and it's hard to deal with writer's block. And all I can say to you is, well, then you had better solve that quickly. You had better get up. You had better get out. You had better start talking to people. You had better use whatever influence you have to see your world and come back and write about it. Because if you're feeling blocked, you're needing experience. You're needing to get out in some way, shape, or form. I really love what Stephen King said here. Why does he write? He said, I do it for the buzz. And if you can do it for joy, you can do it forever. Now, I hope this is encouraging for the people out there who are starting to think that blog writing is dead. Blog writing is not dead. Blog writing is far from being dead. And coming back to our topic, blog writing can make you stinking rich. I am not kidding. If you're curious about this, you're going to want to catch my third segment of this show today, which is coming up in about 12 minutes here. Blog writing, oof. If you've got a brand, if you've got a blog, if you are serious and committed, hang on. You need to open yourself a business account. All right? There's so much potential for you. But just moving on, talking about my friend Stephen King here. He also had this quote, which I found really, really inspiring. And that was, writing is about enriching the lives of those who will read your work. Operative word there is will. Who will read your work? Because there's plenty of people that won't. And if you focus too much on who's not reading your work, you're not going to make any money. Because that's going to stop you. I actually got into this with my newsletter not too long ago. I I was thinking about the fact that I had too many things going on and something had to give way. And I remember thinking, you know, my newsletter doesn't generate income. I need to focus on that right now. Bam, shot the newsletter down. And now my little creative mind that's back in the book of On Writing by Stephen King is going... What was I thinking? And I'm going to be picking up that newsletter because that newsletter is such a revenue generator, but it's not all that obvious sometimes. Mm -mm. No. How do your newsletters generate money? Well, if you have a following and if you're making offerings in that newsletter and if you're making it easy as eating cake, for people to sign up for things, 
You can be making money while you're getting your beauty sleep, as you should, right? So don't give up that job as a blogger. Y'all remember uh, Julia Powell? Julia Powell wrote the book Julia and Julia. This was a book from... Mm, oh, I really like to remember when books come out. I can't remember, sorry. It's probably 20 years old now. Uh, Julia and Julia was uh, a, a woman who worked in New York City. She worked as a writer, and she had a blog and a foodie blog. And I wanted, I wanted to be her, basically. I loved her foodie blog. And she had this idea that she was going to do every single recipe from Julia Child's book, the mastery of, uh, oh, I just messed up the title. Forget it. You know the one, turquoise cover. She was going to do every single recipe from Julia Child's cookbook. And she started blogging on this. And then she got to meet Julia Child. Well, for any of you out there that love to cook like I do, meeting Julia Child is like dying in this lifetime, going to heaven and meeting your maker. It's the best thing that could ever happen to you. It happened to her. Not only that, but her book, Julia and Julia, sold zillions of copies. Zillions. How did it all start? Blogging and cooking. Blogging and cooking more. That's how it all started. You don't really make money directly as a blogger. You make it indirectly and profoundly above and beyond. But if you give it up, you never will. That's what you got to remember. If you're not making money today blogging, you might want to stick with it a little longer because once you give up blogging, you'll never get rich from blogging. Right? Right. So that was just my side note. We're really kind of talking a little bit about Stephen King today. And we're honoring the idea that when you are in love with your writing, you can get rich. When you believe in your story, you can get rich. What do you got to do first? You got to decide you're going to get rich. If you don't have any plan on that, it's just not going to happen to you. I don't know anyone except for lottery winners, and even they sometimes go, go back to being poor. In fact, I've heard more do than don't. But I really don't know of anyone who had no plan for riches and just, bingo, had riches and never had to worry about it. Most people that have riches had a plan for it, even if the plan that led to their riches was different than the plan they started with. So on that note, I want to take Patty's question, who says, riches, A, you're speaking my language. Are you talking about six-figure riches? Are you talking about passive income here? What kind of riches? I recently heard that the average person writing a book makes 97 cents per copy. How can you help me make my six-figure goal? Ooh, I don't know. 
keep listening to my show. I bet it'll happen. But what I want to tell you is we can't limit ourselves to that one income stream. If you've written a book and Amazon has reported in that you're going to receive 97 cents for every copy you make and you want to get to six figures, Patty and everybody else, yeah, you're going to have to sell a lot of books. Yeah. So my advice would be let your story work for you in more ways than one. So one great way is to write your book, but how else can your story work for you? Maybe you want a speaking gig. Maybe after your book has sold a certain amount of copies, you want to go on a paid speaking tour. I know speakers that are making $5,000 for an hour and a half of their time. Not bad, you know? Not bad income. And that is going to get you to your six-figure goal quicker than the book. However, the fact that you wrote the book, the fact that you sat down and really spent time with your story, the fact that you edited that book, that, that is going to serve you from the other stages that you choose to share your story at. And that is where you're going to get paid. So you got to be creative about this. What are the ways? And like I said, if you haven't made the money yet today and you close up shop, you're not going to make money there. Close down shops don't make money. Mm -mm. So you have to decide to keep your doors open a little bit longer while you get even a little bit more creative. Thank you, Patty, for your question. Let's also talk about this idea. What about the fact that not everybody's going to read my story? And we, we can kind of get fixed on that. I mean, so, so, so many of my students read Stephen King, but, you know, I only read Carrie when I was coming of age, and then I didn't read another one of his books and until I was in my 30s and teaching students and concerned why this one writer had their attention and all these other writers that I had studied in school not only didn't hold the the students' attention, but it wasn't required reading. It wasn't, they just didn't read. And I, I was blown away that over and over again, the story was, there's no real value in it because it won't make me money. Wow. I mean, think of all the value in your life because you read. And think of all the value in your life, dear writers, because you write. Anything that has value can be turned into something monetary. You just got to be really creative and you first have to decide. So be choosy. Where are you going to send out your work? If it is important to you to make money, and well, let's say, let, let's say this. What if you decided to send your work to TED or to TEDx? The, uh, TEDx is kind of the little sister of TED. 
do you know how much they're going to pay you? I mean, contemplate that. You're, you're going to have to go to another city, maybe. You're going to have to prepare. You're going to have to send them word by word what you are going to talk about. They're going to review it. They're going to give their input. All kinds of back and forth energy. How much do you think you get paid to do a TED Talk? I'm going to get a sip of water while I think on that one. Okay, kids, I'm going to break it to you. Last time I checked, zero. They don't pay their TED speakers. So if you're sending out your work and you're wanting to get paid and you're wanting the prestige of that stage, remember, you're going to need to ride that prestige for a while and use that story in more ways on your platform to sell courses, to get people to come to see you because Ted ain't paying you. Ted is giving you prestige. You need to use prestige and stay true to that decision that you're going to make riches from your story. That's how it works. It's just one way it works. Remember, these are just my opinions, but that's how I believe it works. We can't be narrow-minded and think, ah, I'm going to write this award-winning speech and get paid zillions. I mean, you might. You might. Plenty of speakers do, but you got to be careful whose hands it goes into. I would have thought that those TED speakers were making 10 grand, at least 25 grand for someone like Oprah or Brene Brown or Michael Neal or so I, I, I would have thought they were just paid handsomely. Well, they are later, not there, later, but through the prestige. All righty. After this break, we're going to talk about bloggers, people that are just out there typing away for free and how it benefits them. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who worked 12 hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals but I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. 
wherever you go. Alternative Talk 1150 is here for you. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. If you're just tuning in today, we are talking about can my story make me rich? And I got to tell you, when I was going through school and studying English and writing, I don't remember a single teacher ever saying, dear students, you are here to get rich. I don't remember a single one saying that. Instead, I heard what, if any of you are English uh, majors, I heard that there are three main reasons we write, and we do it to inform, and we do it to persuade, and we do it to entertain. Even Toastmasters has adopted this idea of the reasons why we give speeches, to inform, to persuade, and to entertain. People don't talk about the fact that, yeah, it can make you rich. And it usually does because it's making you rich on the inside long before it makes you rich on the outside. The person that's feeling rich on the inside to a particular degree is very informed, is someone full of persuasion, is someone who is entertaining and has that to offer, and maybe is developing that more and more and more all the time. So we come back to the fact that, yes, what our teachers said is true. We are informing, persuading, entertaining with our writing. For sure we are. But the ways in which we get rich are in sticking with that, that we believe we're so apt at. Where is it that you have aptitude and you can offer more? Sometimes when you are a blogger and you're just blogging it out for free and you've got your freelance business and you're working hard at getting your voice out there and being someone who's trusted and getting that first random house booking so that you can put your book out there or Simon and Schuster or Hay House or whoever it is you want, there are days when you might be thinking, you know, I'm just feeling so blocked. And like I said before, those are the days you need to be getting out. You need to be talking to others. You need to be reading. You need to be allowing yourself to be influenced. There's other times when you start to think, you know, my writing is getting dull. I, how many times can I talk about this? How many times can I expect people to come back to my page and read? I, uh, I, maybe I should take a year off. Well, if that's you, I would really encourage you to maybe just turn off the noise, wherever you're getting noise. Is it, is it just cable TV? Is it the news? Is it certain small chat conversations you get involved in? Is it the the feed on your social media? Wherever it is, if you're feeling like your topics are dull now to your readers, pick up something that for you is not dull and engage and indulge and watch your mind. Just watch it take over like a field of wildflowers and just grow and flourish. 
you know that you are writing because you are a good reader of the world. Sit down with something and really get into it and read and let those topics feel alive for you. If you're, if you're one of those bloggers, too, that feels like, you know, I, I need to put this to rest because I really don't understand the, the whole process of blogging to become published with a big house. I, d- I don't know that whole process. I'm going to get stuck later. I need to shut this down. Remember that there are people all around you that do know the process. You, you might you might not be aware of that right now. You might only be aware of one person. But if you talk to that one person, all of a sudden they know more people and they know more and they know more. And the next thing you know, there's people all around you that know about that process. Talk to them. Talk to me. I'd be happy to talk to you about how your blog can lead you toward publishing. And keep in mind that most Everyone out there took up blogging because it was a great place to start. And many, 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 many people left blogging because they needed income. Many, 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 many. Maybe you have. And if you have and, it, and, and you have some sort of brand, I want to encourage you, if you loved it, if you had a certain affinity for it, I want you to think about going back. Let me tell you just a little story that I discovered about a blogger I had been following for some time. I need just a little bit more water. This all started on a day when I was just hanging out on the couch, feeling sorry for myself, not writing, eating bonbons. It was probably day 10 of not writing, eating bonbons. I... I just was not in a good place at all. And honestly, I needed some love advice because that's all I could think about was how I was just this disaster at love. And I recalled this blogger that I had followed and somehow I had just lost track of it, maybe because I thought my love life had gone great. But now that I was just bonbon my life away, I decided I, I had better look him up. And so I did. I looked him up. I started reading his posts. And now he had hundreds more than, you know, where I had left off. And I always found him to be extremely astute. And how he used his own life experience before he was married to inform all of us, the readers. And he was very persuasive and he was very entertaining. So he was knocking off all those three things that our teachers tell us we need to be doing. Be informative, be persuasive, be that entertainer that people love to follow. So at the bottom of one of the blog posts that just really, really touched me, there was a a sign-in, an opt-in for his newsletter. And I thought, why not? That'd be handy. I'd just get his blog sent right to my email. Why not do that? So I did that, started reading the newsletter, always had a link to the blog. And one day at the bottom of the newsletter was an offering for an online class where he talked about his 10 best tips 
and how all of them were in his blog, but he was going to go into them in depth over like a 21-day period, and there was going to be a call or two with him. I liked this idea. It was $197. This is a few years ago or more. And I thought, you know, I trust this guy. I've been reading his blog for some time. He has never sent me in a wrong direction. I'm going to take that $197 online class. So I took it. And as soon as the course started, you had to fill out this little summary about how you knew about him and check off the boxes and such. And I, I checked the box that I had followed his blog. So I remember this. Day one, he comes on to that very first call to explain to us how the online feature is going to be and, and how we can best use these live calls. And he shares that there are 2,500 people that have signed up for this course, that there's a place where we can all communicate. And he starts reeling off the stats. And, and he says, 80% of you uh, have followed my blog. 14% of you saw me speak at this conference. 2% of you, whatever, la, 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 la. And I'm like, 80% of us follow his free blog. There are 2,500 women here. 2,500 women spent $197 for an online class. We will work with him for 21 days. I did the math. It was nearly a half a million bucks. Yeah. Now, he had been writing this blog for some years and the blog was free, but he leveraged it in such a way that it was taking care of his lifestyle and then some, right? 21 days, $197, 2,500 women, almost a half million bucks. That could be you. Are you someone who is trustworthy? Are you putting out your blog on a regular, consistent basis? That's key. You need to be consistent. People need to know they can find you. Do you have a link so people can have that newsletter come to them and have offers come to them? Are you regarding yourself as an expert in your field? If you've written hundreds of blogs on something, my guess is at this point you are. You can leverage that. First, you decide that you want to be rich, and then you get going at it. And this love coach of mine, <laughs> he has gone on and on and on to do more and more and more. And you know what? His blog still goes. I think he's on year 10 or 11 of this blog. Why? Because it's a moneymaker. And what makes it a moneymaker well, I'll tell you this, not only did it start with his story on all the mistakes he made in love, but it also comes back to the fact that he decided, he decided that his experience and his aptitude to write and his joy for writing, and as Stephen King said, 
If you find joy in it, you can do it forever. He's in it over. He's over a decade into this, and if you ask me, a half a million dollars for a twenty-one day class ain't bad. Not at all. It might not be exactly where you start. It might be that your blog produces twenty-five followers, and the next day or the next year, a hundred, and the next year. Five hundred, you never know. But what I'm saying is, if you want your story to make you rich, it can. If you decide your story is going to make you rich, now you know you need to be consistent and to get going at it, because even those free things you're doing consistently can be leveraged in such a way that. You start to see high quality income, and like Patty asked, can it be six figure income? Well, for this love coach, it sure was. I want to finish up with this final quote from Stephen King's book on writing. I am so glad my students told me that he was the one that so many of them followed. I love this quote: "Write with the door closed, rewrite." With the door open, write with the door closed. Rewrite with the door open. And what does that mean? Just remember that when you're writing, your publisher isn't sitting on your shoulder. Just let things come out as you want, as you need them to. But when you rewrite, when you decide that that is going to be. Something you nurture into a possibly published, public, social, engaging piece. Make sure you open the doors so that people can find you, so that they are your desired readers. Write in private, but when you rewrite, consider how might you make that public. And that is going to help you be informative, persuasive, maybe even entertaining. And if you own that and you own your story, you too can make the decision for riches to come to you from your writing. Don't ever believe anyone who says writers can't make it. If you decide you can, you have set yourself in the right motion for it to start happening. Okay, motion. That's what this is all about. Thank you, my dear followers, who inspired this topic. I will possibly be bringing in a guest to talk with you next week. But until then, I wish you a lovely, lovely week. Keep reading. Keep writing. Keep following me. And if you can't catch this live. Always remember, we're here Friday mornings for your drive to work. Until next week, Namaste, my friends. <music>